You're listening to a CNA podcast. Hello, welcome back to Money Talks. I'm Elizabeth Neo, and this is my limited series, Am I Adulting Right? Where, like you, I'm figuring out some of life's money issues. Well, earlier we talked about what to do with your first paycheck and how to set financial goals if you are a young adult and even how much to spend on your wedding. If you've missed those episodes, find them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or YouTube Music. So those are the heavy things, right? The so-called necessities in life. But life is about having fun too. Travel, it is a big part of a young person's life, making new experiences and whatnot. But as a young person craving adventure outside of Singapore, the cost can limit what you can do. Airfare, accommodation, dining, those things really add up. And that's why I've got Eugene Chai with me in this episode. He runs his own personal finance blog and he's here to give us some practical hacks on how to travel affordably. Warm welcome to you, Eugene. Thank you so much for joining us on Money Talks. Now let's talk about your best budget-friendly travel experience. Was it a good trip? How much did you spend? Okay, so this is a pretty recent experience. I actually went to KL last week and it was a three days trip and I think in total I spent less than 300 Singapore dollars. So to me, I consider this as one of the most budget experience that I have, right? And I did that mainly by uh, looking for the cheap travel plans. Like I actually took the coach, which uh, cost me around $35 per trip. So in total, that was around $70. And the hotel was relatively affordable. I actually picked the central area at Bukit Bintang and it's quite affordable. I think around $30 to $40 per night for a four-star hotel. And I mainly went to KL just to do some sightseeing, just hunt for food. So everything add up less than $300 per pax. A lot of it has to do with the location, yeah. right? The destination that you chose and that was mm. KL. But if, say, mm. someone were to pick mm. somewhere which typically would cost more in terms of even getting there mm. and accommodation, do you have an experience like that where you perhaps chose somewhere further mm. and you still managed to keep within your budget? I think one of the further places that I've went was actually Taiwan. So I'm actually just starting out. I have not been to many places, mainly in Southeast Asia. So for my Taiwan trip, what I did was I wanted a very budget-friendly uh, trip because I just graduated from poly at that time and I didn't have much uh, income. So I wanted to keep everything to less than $600. So I really had to plan in greater details. So from the location to the hotel, the food and transportation. So one of the best tips which I personally did for my Taiwan trip was that I actually map out where I plan to go and I join the dots. So just imagine you put a map, okay? And you plot out all the different places that you want to visit. And then I break them down into day one, day two, day three, day four. And then based on that map, I actually put a central location. So just imagine you're putting a dot right smack in the middle of all the different points that you have plotted. And that's where I go to pick the hotels. Mm. Because by doing so, it allows me to plan my route and especially I hate being stuck on the public transport or even on taxis when I'm traveling because I want to spend my time to do sightseeing and not spending it in the car. Especially when you go to places like 
Korea, Japan, there's a lot of traffic in KL especially. So I want to minimize the time on transportation. So by doing so, I actually get to map out all these different spots and find a central location that allows me to quickly get to my destination. Mm. And secondly, I think another tip is that don't be too comfortable in staying in one hotel, right? Especially mm. if day two or day three, you're planning to go somewhere a bit further out. Why not pick a hotel that is in that area instead of just staying right in the central area uh, where you were at on your first day? So it really allows you to save time uh, on the transportation. Mm. And not just time, but a lot of money because transportation nowadays, it's not cheap, right? Mm. Singapore, we have one of the relatively affordable transportation but in countries like Japan especially well the taxis there yeah. the, the cost it's is insane it's notoriously <laughs> expensive yeah. and, and I totally get that too because what happens when you change hotels mm. is also that you get to save a lot of time yeah. travelling in addition to the cost that you would have to pay when you move from point A to point B mm. now we're going to get all the tips and tricks from you this episode yeah. but uh, let's start with the basics okay first things first when planning a holiday holiday. After you've decided where to go, the next step is to obviously book your flight. Some say there are some tricks to booking flights. Like for example, Tuesdays are apparently the best days to book your ticket or you know to use incognito mode on your computer and so on. What are some tips that you've heard of and are they really true? Do they really work? What I've just shared, right, it is actually very true because I work as a digital marketer in the day. So we work very closely with all the different search engine and browser. And the first tip is always clear your cache. Go into incognito mode and clear your cache. Because what happens is when you use online travel agencies like uh, Skyscanner, Kayak, or even you head on to the airlines like SQ, they save your data on their system. And by using their own algorithm, they can deliver uh, certain prices or gimmicks to you. But it also could put you at a disadvantage because they know that you're getting desperate and the markup is going to be less. So always start clean, use incognito, clear your cache, clear your browser, and then book your air ticket. Okay? The second tip, which are the best days yeah, to book, Tuesdays, right? Tuesdays, really? Generally, I find that Tuesday, Thursday, they tend to be more affordable. But you also have got to look out for special events like public holidays, especially in the country itself. Because there was once when I went to Thailand, I actually got a very affordable ticket. I think for the air tickets, I think it was around 120 Singapore dollars and it is very cheap. But when I got there, I realized that they were having a, a Thai public holiday and a lot of the shops are closed. It, it was quite disappointing because I thought I got a good deal out of it but actually it wasn't too good to be true too good to be true yeah and then the third tip is you have to compare between online travel agencies and also the independence so when you talk about online travel agencies we're talking about platforms like Kayak Skyscanner and independence are just your SQ Scoot right so there's a difference because Kayak Skyscanner they tend to buy these tickets in bulk they actually have a partnership with the airline so they get a bit of cost savings over mm. there now the main con to that is that it is very troublesome to liaise with them especially if you encounter a difficulty for example they got your name wrongly on the flight ticket or you have to make some last minute travel plan adjustment it could be quite hard to liaise with them uh, to make the changes to your booking details. You're talking about the platforms like Skyscanner? Yes. Okay. So those are what we call OTA, online travel agencies. Now for the independents, slightly more expensive, but they give you the flexibility to adjust your tickets and there's also loyalty programs 
that they provide. So really, it is best to compare and weigh the differences between the both. And personally, I like to use online travel agencies because uh, in the past few years, most of my travel destinations, they are relatively near they are in southeast asia so there isn't really a need for me to make a lot of uh, adjustments to my travel plans mm -hmm. right so perhaps if i am going to a further country i may choose to use an independent instead okay meaning go directly go to directly the airline to the airlines right so the next tip personally i find that it works very well for me is you know there's always two kinds of people when it comes to traveling right the first one are the spontaneous people the second one is those people that are very committed i already have my colleagues planning for the next december right. trip yeah. so if you belong to the second group of people when you book your air tickets generally you get to get them at a much uh, lower rate but in that sense right you lose the flexibility because you don't know what's going to happen next year mm. perhaps you know another round of covid mm. you know what i mean touch wood right so you lose that flexibility now, for the first group of people, you may lose out a bit in terms of cost savings, but airlines, they are always running special promotions just to clear out their inventory, which is the, the space that they have. Maybe they are not fully utilized. So that's where they start to clear out these at a much cheaper deal. So for budget airlines like Scoot, they always have flash deals. And these deals are to reward those people that are very spontaneous. They can just take leave two weeks in advance, pack their bags and go. Right? Yeah. So it really depends what kind of traveler you are. So it's semi-true that if you book way ahead of time, you tend to get a better rate. But yeah. booking mm. at the last minute as mm. well, I mean, I've, you know, out of boredom, just mm. gone to see, hey, what if I travel next week? And mm. sometimes I can find some pretty good deals. Yeah. I mean, obviously without the intention to actually mm. travel, it's just out of curiosity yeah. as well. Is there any sort of like, rule mm. as to how many days ahead even if i'm planning a last minute trip mm -hmm. or you know just any time i think for that right perhaps you can try out the new tool google flights that's a blog i've written very recently so it helps people to plan uh, ahead of time so what you can do is just hop on to google flights you can look at the travel destinations that are available out there you can sort them and filter out by pricing and even accommodates to your schedule and if you do not have much plans, if you do not have a travel destination decided, you just want to be spontaneous and just decide based on the pricing factor, they do have an option for that. So that really helps plan for a very spontaneous trip. And it's relatively affordable and they really do give you the best prices. So what you can do is you can just set up email notifications and it allows you to track the prices in real time. So that was something I did very recently for my KL trip. Mm. Mm. When we talk about booking mm. at the last minute and then mm. sometimes, you know, you mentioned that sometimes these airlines, they have the promos. Mm. Where is the best place to look out for these promos? I mean, I'm sure there's social media accounts, mm -hmm. but, you know, with so many airlines, like, do you have your own method of, like, you know, going through every airline to make sure you don't miss out on any promos? <laughs> Okay, personally, I do not have any methods, but I do have a friend that is a very frequent traveler and he always sends me the best travel promos and deals. Drop his contact. 
Sure, and, no and, problem. Yeah, I'll pass us, it to you after yeah, this. So we can all subscribe to him. Yeah, but there's a lot of platforms out there where you can subscribe for uh, real-time notifications uh, to these promos. I think the first one is what you just mentioned. The airlines themselves, they send out these promos. And because they are the official representative, they will have the first-hand information. So the all the other publishers or other bloggers out there, right? their information is usually second-hand. So I'll say it's best to subscribe to the mm. airlines that you frequently travel with. And it's always a plus to do so because they do have a lot of uh, loyalty programs and exclusive promo codes that you can utilize. So I would advise you to uh, follow these airlines. Another tip I've seen is to be flexible with airports, meaning you don't always have to fly to the major airport in the city. Is that something that can also help you save money? Mm. Yes, it is quite true. So I actually tried that for one of my Bangkok trips. So in Bangkok, there's two major airports. So we have the Dongmyeon and the Sukhanapum Airport. Sorry if I didn't pronounce that correctly. Yeah, so I've actually tried both of the airports and generally the more popular one is the Suvanampum Airport, right? But it's a lot more uh, expensive as compared to Domwen. Mm. But for Domwen, it is a bit further out. So you have to really plan ahead of time. It depends where your, where your hotel is located at and what are the different areas that you have plot out uh, and planning to go. Because a lot of times people try to scream and save on the cost savings, but they fail to realize that the transportation that they're going to pay to get to their accommodation could in fact negate out the cost savings. So another tip is that a lot of travelers, they tend to book late night flights, which generally are cheaper as compared to morning and afternoon flights, right? But what they didn't realize is that probably they will reach very early, right? Maybe in the wee hours, maybe say 4 you've to 5 a.m. You've got nothing to do until the hotel lets you check in. Yes, you've got nothing to do. And most of the time, the hotels only let you check in at around 2 p.m. Yeah. And the next thing to consider is how are you going to get to your accommodation. So if you're in Japan, you can probably take the public transport, but they only open at like, I think five or six. Yeah. So it really depends, right? So what I do advise is that try not to scream and save on these kind of irregular timings because the chances are that you may potentially lose out in terms of like the accommodation, transportation to get there. So personally, I'm speaking from my own experience and I've done that a couple of times. I've slept over at the airport so many times just to save on that extra few bucks, right? Because I didn't want to take an early taxi to the airport to t catch my morning flight. So I stayed at the airport mm. for the whole night. It was a very uncomfortable experience. Exactly. So I was <laughs> going to say that you're still young. So, you know, the back aches won't be as bad. But yeah. I, I totally understand. Mm. I think another thing is also that why people want to do that and fly overnight. Mm. It's because they view as... I'm not wasting one day flying. Mm. So I reach in the morning. Yeah. Maybe I wait an hour to, you know, the shops are open. I can dump my bag at the airport, go shopping and then come back and I save a lot of time. And that could be a consideration, especially if you have limited leave days that you yeah. can take to go on your vacation. That's right. That was exactly what I did for my KL trip. Although I don't advocate it. I took the bus at 1.30 a.m. in the morning, right? After work, I ended work and then I went to catch the bus at 1.30 a.m. So because I didn't want to waste an extra day on traveling, so I took the late night coach, I reached, got there 6, 7 a.m. in KL. But what I realized is that I was way too tired to do anything. <laughs> okay, so you know so what you happened? Waste it. You went to the hotel to sleep. I went to the hotel straight. 
I asked them, can I do an early check-in? So I just have to top up uh, another 100 ringgit just to do an early check-in. Right, so that's cost out again. <laughs> yeah, that's cost out again. Okay, yeah. now assuming we have settled the flight part of the trip, let's talk about accommodation. What is your advice when looking for budget-friendly accommodation? For example, opting to stay further away from the city centre, <laughs> but then brings us back to the same point of having to commute spending time and money to commute. So what I do advise is that when you are shopping around looking for your different accommodations, always use the filters to help you and, and find what's best for you. Because for myself, I like to travel on a budget, but I do value comfort. So I always try to strike a balance, which means I could be going for a four-star hotel and there could be some of the facilities that I want. Like for example, the gym. The gym is important to me when planning my accommodation so i have to try to find a balance between you know budget and comfort because after all when we are mm. traveling right we're just looking to take some time off from work just to enjoy so i don't want to compromise on my experience by trying to scrimp and save hello my name is steve Lai, and i'm Teresa tang and we are the hosts of CNA Correspondent, a podcast that takes you to the heart of the work our correspondents do across the globe. From China's COVID response to the Child Care Center massacre in Thailand. And from the fall of Najib Razak to the rise of Anwar Ibrahim as Malaysia's Prime Minister. We speak to the people at the reporting front lines. So if you want to know how the biggest global stories unfold, make sure you follow or subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Would you know if it's more affordable to stay in a chain hotel, mm. maybe those smaller chain hotels versus smaller boutique hotels? I mean, between the two, if we were to compare, is there a difference in really how much you're paying? Mm. I think the question is, which travel destination are you talking about? Because they tend to differ from country to country. In certain countries, it could be slightly cheaper to stay in an Airbnb or like a suite. But in various countries like say Malaysia, uh, Bangkok, it is actually a lot more affordable to stay in a boutique hotel. So I guess when you are planning, you could be looking out at different platforms and to do your consideration. Because when we compare these boutique hotels and chain hotels, right, there's quite a bit of difference. Personally, I always go for the boutique hotels because I just find that the experience is a lot better because you get to see a lot more different things in terms of like the variations and the service mm. that they provide. Whereas for chain hotels, they are pretty much the same everywhere you go and they are a lot more expensive. So it depends what fits your budget, what kind of experience you are looking for. But for myself, I'm actually looking for experience. Mm. But I do know that a lot of my friends are actually just looking for just a place to sleep for the night. Because they're going to spend the entire day out. But I suppose you want to, you know, sleep in a hotel that is comfortable and clean, especially now in the post-pandemic era. I think people are a lot more particular about cleanliness, hygiene, and we're talking about bed bugs now. Yeah. So that's definitely a concern that many travelers will have. So in a nutshell, if I were to get you to summarize your top three tips for when it comes to accommodation, mm. what would they be? Top three tips uh, when it comes to accommodation. So first one, find an accommodation that really fits into your travel route or travel destinations. 
that's what I usually do, which means I plan my accommodation based on where I plan to go and not the other way around. Because for a lot of people, what they do is they first fix on the accommodation before they plan their itinerary. So I prefer to do it the other way just so I can uh, get a lot more cost savings in terms of transportation. Second one is really, you really have to strike a balance between the experience and budget. So personally, I go for somewhere in the middle. I don't want to compromise on my experience just because I'm trying to save up on the trip. So what I do is I just go onto website, put in filters, look for a price range that I am fairly comfortable with and also the amenities that I will require in my trip. So those are the two tips. I think uh, for the last tip when it comes to accommodation, you can try to opt for different hotel experience. Mm. So you can consider the chain hotel, you can consider boutique hotel. And in fact, if you are willing to try, you can definitely try like a backpacking hostel. That was something that I did in my younger days. Pretty insane experience, yeah. I would say. You get to make a lot of friends yeah. from different walks of life and a lot of people and from different age range. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, I have my fair share of bad experience as well. <laughs> I'm very interested to hear more about that. Maybe outside of the recording. Yeah. And perhaps, you know, even things like capsule hotels. I'm not sure if they're actually cheaper, but you literally just pay for a capsule, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and just a bit. And then you have shared amenities. Would that also, you know, be something that are, that is a lot cheaper for the budget-conscious traveller? Yeah, that's a lot cheaper, definitely. But you have to take into consideration, right, various aspects like your size because those hotels will fit like a small size guy like myself. Mm. But if you're above 180, 190... If you're taller, you might yeah, if you're taller, be uncomfortable. Be, yeah, right. it's going to be a very uncomfortable experience. Yeah. Got it. And now, some sightseeing and dining tips. If we're booking a, a discounted ticket, off a booking platform, what are some things we should take note of? My general thoughts on those are that these are very convenient platforms because you get to skip the queue. For example, if you are going to some Michelin restaurant in Thailand, you can actually get your tickets off Klook so that you do not have to queue up when you head over there. So I think they are really very convenient. But there are some things to take note, which is you always have to read the fine print because they will have inclusions and exclusions. For example, you can only head to that place in a certain time slot. And these time slots are generally the less popular periods. Uh, for example, it could be very early morning, early in the day, or it could be quite late in the evening. So those may not be timings that you are comfortable with. And there's another thing to take note is that for these platforms, what I find out is that you always have to make more than one booking. For example, when you book directly with the platform that you purchase the ticket from, you may also have to make another booking directly with the official representative themselves. Right. Because some sightseeing places that I booked, I did not know that I have to book again with the official representative. Right. And I have to make a booking on the spot. But unfortunately, I didn't manage to get a slot. So I have to come back another day. And the thing about it is that because when you are traveling, you have already indicated like a certain time slot in your itinerary. Yeah. So if you're not able to head down there, right? Kind the of throws are, the plans yeah, for the day. Quite, it throws the plan and depends whether you're traveling with your spouse or your friends and family. It's going to be quite an upsetting experience. Yeah. I understand. What are the, some of the best ways, you know, to pay for your travel? So obviously, you know, there are a lot of kind of like 
cards out mm. there that yep. allow multi-currency cards, for example. Right. Mm. What is your preferred method? When it comes to small expenses like food, I generally prefer to pay in cash. I think firstly is Singapore has a very strong currency because of how the MAS control the foreign exchange reserve. Our currency is very strong. So I like to pay in cash. And in countries like Japan, most of them, they only take cash. Now for bigger purchase items, I generally like to use credit. It could be any credit cards that offer you air miles just to reward you for your big purchases. So those two are the main ones. And sometimes I also like to use the, what you mentioned, the multi-currency wallets. So we're talking about cards like Revolut, Amaze, Wise. Personally, I do not have a preference for the multi-currency wallets. And Eugene, you know, we are fast approaching the festive season and I would like to get your thoughts on traveling during the peak festive periods. I mean, have you done that? Did you have to pay outrageous prices? I mean, this is something that we often believe, right? When you travel during the school holidays or Chinese New Year, near Chinese New Year, you can expect to pay a lot more. Is this true? And what if some people have no choice but to travel during these periods? Mm. Any hacks that you can share? <laughs> yeah, I think it is true to a large extent, but of course there are a lot of scenarios whereby it is actually more affordable to travel. I think firstly, when you talk about prices, right? When it comes to festive, it is generally very popular and people get to clear their leave in December. So when it is about supply and demand, so when the demand is so high, right, the prices goes up. Okay, but there are also instances whereby you can get cheaper tickets, especially if you book ahead of time. I'm talking about like at least 6 to 12 months earlier. So it really depends. And I think the second one is really to see how it can fit into your schedule. Because now I'm still single, so it's very easy to plan a spontaneous trip and I don't have much consideration. Mm. But just imagine like a family of four, Especially if you have kids, you have to take note of their schedule, your spouse schedule. And generally, December is the period whereby everyone can go together. So it really depends. So I think the tip over here is really book in advance mm. yeah, because a lot of uh, hotels, they can run out, in fact. right? So always book in advance. And if you can, try to go on a weekday instead of a weekend because it's not just about the cost saving, but all the various attractions that you're going to visit may possibly have a lesser crowd. Mm. So You those- mean stay in that country, say like Monday to Friday and leave before the weekend? Yeah, that is something you can potentially do. But of course, if you're going further out, then probably you're going there for maybe say 10 days, then that is something that's unavoidable. But perhaps when you plan for those tourist destinations that are going, for example, Disneyland, you may want to visit on a weekday whereby there's a lot lesser queue. And if I'm not wrong, there could be cost savings for non-peak periods as well. I think there are some days where it's a bit cheaper, they're like off-peak. But I think Disneyland uh, is just one of the places that will always be crowded no matter what day of the year it is. It's the sort of place where you have to be prepared to wait. I really thank you, Eugene, for all the tips, especially when to book, how to plan, you know, a look at your activity, then look at your accommodation. I think these are really great tips and things that people should and can consider when they book. And also, you know, you don't have to entirely avoid peak period of travel all you need to do is just simply plan ahead i thank you so much eugene for joining us uh, for this episode of money talks am i adulting right 
If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube Music. Better yet, leave us a review while you're there and tell us what are the topics you'd like us to cover. Now, we will be on a season break next week and we will return in January. But in the meantime, we've gone back to the archives to bring you some of our more popular episodes. So listen out for them. Now, the team behind Money Talks is Tiffany Ang, Joanne Chan, Saya Win, and Crispina Robert with me, Liz. Thanks for listening. <laughs>